Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you Ritual for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Hey y'all, it's Beth here for a primer on the Constitution. Sarah and I have been talking about a series on the United States Constitution for some time. And so today is the first installment. We will follow this up by getting into the Bill of Rights. First up, Sarah has a fantastic interview with one of her law school professors on the First Amendment. We'll share that with you soon. Just a reminder that primers are only in our feed for two weeks. After that, they go into the archived feed for our patrons who support us at the $25 a month level and above. So if you want that permanent access, you can head over to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics. Otherwise, make sure that you check this out in the next two weeks. I am also putting together a one-page sort of summary infographic of this primer that I will share with our $15 a month patrons and up on Patreon. I will also share that with you if you are a teacher in any kind of educational institution. So you can send me an email 
beth at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. If you teach anywhere, I will take it on faith that you do, and um, I, will give, I will share that research with you. So today I'm going to do a very quick overview of the actual Constitution itself, and then I'm going to go into more detail about a particular power granted by the Constitution to Congress, the power of the purse. I think it's really important to understand Congress's budgetary and appropriations process as they move toward tax reform. And tax reform will be our focus topic for Tuesday's podcast. As you probably know, I always start our primers by saying, you know, I'm not an expert on anything. I'm just a person who has done some research. This is just intended to be a very accessible look at the framework of our government. I also try to check my opinion at the door and offer only facts. I will say that I have very strong opinions about this particular topic. And so some of those might come through. I'm a human being and I hope you'll give me some grace as you listen. The first thing I want you to know is that the United States Constitution is really the first permanent document that set out a framework for a representative government. I would love to go into the history of creating the Constitution. It's fascinating, but we only have so much time, and we're really focused on sort of current relevance of the Constitution in this series, so perhaps at another time. The founders led with why on the Constitution, so the preamble doesn't really do anything. It doesn't establish any powers or rights. It's just an introduction to the Constitution. Why is this happening? And then the first three articles set up the three branches of government. So we'll get a little schoolhouse rock here for a second. Article 1 sets up the legislative branch. It says we're going to have a Congress. It's going to be bicameral, meaning we have the Senate and the House. It sets the qualifications to run for office, the terms that will be served, and how many representatives each state gets. And then it specifically describes what Congress can do. It specifically sets some limits on what Congress can do. And it also contains some specific limits on states' powers. So this is where we tell the states, you can't have your own military, you can't go declaring war, you can't enter into treaties with other nations. This is what it means to be a state as part of a federal system. Article 2 establishes the executive branch. So it says... Here's the president. The president is the commander in chief of the military. The president can grant pardons and reprieves except in cases of impeachment. With the advice and consent of the Senate, the president can make treaties and appoint ambassadors and Supreme Court justices and other officers of the United States government. It also says that the president has to deliver a State of the Union address from time to time, has to receive ambassadors and other public ministers, and the president has to ensure that the laws are faithfully executed. Aaron and Sierra joined me, two of our listeners, for an entire primer on presidential powers. And again, that's available in our Patreon feed. Article 3 establishes the judiciary. So the Constitution sets up the Supreme Court and then allows the Supreme Court to set up lower courts. This also tells us what federal jurisdiction looks like. So what cases and controversies are federal courts allowed to hear? There are numerous cases that interpret this. It's a whole body of law. And it's really interesting to look at federal jurisdiction versus state jurisdiction. Again, that's something that we'll go into in depth at another time. But for now, I just want you to know that the Constitution itself contemplated the Supreme Court and contemplated limits on what federal courts can do. And then Article 4 of the Constitution really says, here's here's what we're going to do as a country. Here's how we're going to operate. So there is a clause called the Full Faith and Credit Clause that I'm sure you've heard of that basically says states have to respect one another's acts and records and judicial proceedings. If I'm married in Kentucky, I count as married in Indiana. If I 
have a judgment from Indiana, I can take that judgment to Arizona in a court and domesticate it and execute on it in Arizona. There's also a privileges and immunities clause. This is a very hotly debated clause because it's somewhat ambiguous. Alexander Hamilton called this the basis of the union. It says that people can enjoy all of the privileges and immunities of being part of this country. So it implies a right to travel freely and go across state lines without interruption, use the court systems of all the states. It also has been interpreted to mean that if you're charged with a crime in one state and flee, the the state that you fled to has to extradite you to the state where you were charged. There's a sense that we are all one country embodied in this privileges and immunities clause. And then Article 4 also says that the federal government guarantees a Republican form of government and to, that's small r, Republican, right? Not like the Republican Party, but that we are a republic, not a direct democracy, and that it will protect states from invasion um, and it will help with domestic violence if asked by the governor or the state legislature. So if there is a, a threat within a state from its own citizens, the state can call on the federal government for help. And then certainly if a foreign power invaded a state, the federal government would be there to protect the state. And all of that sounds very straightforward as we sit here in 2017. But if you think about how new these concepts were and this very intricate framing, this balance between what states are allowed to do and what they can count on the federal government for, what they can be free from with the federal government. It's really kind of extraordinary to step back and think about it. I can geek out about these things. Okay, Article 5 talks about how you amend the Constitution, and it's very difficult. It requires two-thirds of both the House and the Senate plus ratification by three quarters of state legislatures. That's one path. There's a second path, which is a constitutional convention called by two thirds of state legislatures, later ratified by three quarters of state legislatures. This is a good reminder of how significant state elections are. And then Article 6 describes the broad power of the federal government. It says this government is now responsible for debts existing before the Constitution was adopted. It has what has become known as the Supremacy Clause, that this Constitution and the laws made under it are the supreme law of the land. And then it says that everyone elected and appointed under the Constitution has to take an oath to withhold it, but there can never be a religious test for holding office in the United States. And so those are the key provisions of the Constitution in and of itself. And as I said, we'll go into amendments in later primers. But that's what I want you to know about how the government was organized initially. So within that framing, we want to spend a minute on Congress's, one of Congress's enumerated powers is the power to raise revenue and spend money. The Constitution says that the Congress has that power, but it doesn't say how the Congress is to exercise it. So that process has evolved over time through laws that have been passed. And there are three agencies Congress has created to aid in this process. The first of those agencies is the Office of Management and Budget, or OMB. This is basically the president's accounting office. It helps executive agencies figure out what they're doing from their strategies to managing their budgets. And that's where Mick Mulvaney is. And then there's the GAO or the Government Accountability Office. It's a nonpartisan agency that works for Congress. It's headed by the Comptroller of the United States. And this 
agency. If you think of OMB as the president's accounting office, you can think of GAO as the federal government's auditor. It's, it's there to make sure that things are being done correctly and that taxpayer dollars are being spent wisely. You know what? Wisely is probably too strong a word. I'm going to say it's there to make sure that taxpayer dollars are being spent lawfully. Then there's the Congressional Budget Office, or the CBO, which you've heard a lot about over the past two years. It is a nonpartisan agency that works for Congress as well, and the CBO's job is to analyze the economics of federal programs. So those three agencies are all involved in different stages of the process. And I want you to also recognize that most money being spent by the federal government every year isn't really debated in the budget process because it's mandatory spending. 62% of the money the federal government spends every year has been authorized by laws passed with a 60-vote majority in the Senate. And so it's not a huge part of what's going on in the annual budget process because there isn't much to do with it. That involves Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, It's a huge portion of our national GDP that is spent on those programs and not something that Congress spends a lot of time on because very few people have the political stomach to take a run at any of those programs. The budget process then focuses on the discretionary portion of the budget, about a third of it. The discretionary spending is subject right now to statutory spending caps. In 2011, the Budget Control Act was passed, setting caps through 2021. Those caps were modified for 2013 through 2017 by the American Taxpayer Relief Act of 2000. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. 
Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. The Bipartisan Budget Act of 2013 and the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015. After 2017, about $90 billion annually is supposed to come down from those statutory caps, so even harsher spending restrictions, through sequestration, which was implemented after a committee of people who were brought together to deal with our national deficit failed to produce any legislation to reduce the deficit. And so what they came up with was the sequestration mechanism designed to reduce our spend overall. So Congress is already committed to mandatory spending. Now they're working on with discretionary spending and discretionary spending has limits and guardrails on it through all of these laws that have been passed to try to rein in some of the federal spending. So here's how the process is supposed to work. Every year in February, the president submits a budget request to Congress. Now, the budget isn't the president's job. The Constitution doesn't give the president power to create a budget. But under federal law, the president is supposed to coordinate with federal agencies. OMB is supposed to work with those agencies, analyze who needs more funding, where some cuts could be made, what we're going to prioritize this year. And then the president takes all that information and makes a recommendation to Congress. It is not binding. It really makes no difference. It's just a starting place for Congress. Then the House on its own and the Senate on its own create budget resolutions after they look at the president's request. Those resolutions um, are just a general plan. Again, this is not like a line-by-line itemized budget for every single federal agency. It puts some limits in place and it has kind of an overall perspective of what the House and the Senate want to see. And then each chamber votes on their respective budget resolutions. And then there is a joint session to reconcile the differences between the House version and the Senate version. And then that joint committee's work product goes back to each chamber to be voted on again. After that has happened, after a budget resolution has been passed by by both chambers of Congress, 12 different committees take a look at the budget and mark up appropriations bills. So these are subcommittees broken out by subject matter. Agriculture, Commerce, Justice, and Science are a single subcommittee. Defense, Energy and Water, Financial Services and General Government, Homeland Security, interior and environment, and then one single subcommittee for labor, health and human services and education, 
one for the legislative branch, one for military construction in the VA, one for state and foreign operations, and one for transportation and HUD. That's where we are for the 2018 fiscal year. Right now, these subcommittees are working through appropriations. Many of them have already concluded their work, and others are still in the process. So these subcommittees conduct budget hearings and ultimately decide how much money to allot to each agency. Theoretically, this should produce 12 individual appropriations bills. Often they are combined into an omnibus appropriations bill, so a single bill that puts in all the work from all of the different subcommittees. And then sometimes a few are combined into what are called minibus appropriations bills. As these bills are passed, the president signs them into law, and at that point the budget becomes law. The president has to approve or veto all 12 bills, in order to have a full budget, or the bills representative of the work of all 12 appropriations subcommittees. That is supposed to be done by October 1st, the beginning of the new fiscal year. As is often the case, when all 12 bills are not passed by October 1st, and there is really no accountability mechanism for that to happen, Congress can pass a continuing resolution that allows everybody to just keep doing what they've been doing, from the previous year until a new bill passes. When a continuing resolution isn't passed, so the appropriations bills aren't finished and a continuing resolution can't be passed, that's when we have a government shutdown. And all of the non-critical agencies of the government just stop because they aren't being funded. I want to talk for a second about the difference between appropriations and authorizations. Authorizations bills create new programs or make changes to existing programs and specify how much money is available for those programs. So they can include maximum spending limits and policy guidelines, and usually authorizations are for multiple years. Appropriations provide the specific annual discretionary funding available to carry out what has already been authorized in other laws. Normally, Congress begins the appropriations process by adding a growth rate to whatever they authorized the year before, which means that agencies are almost always receiving more money, at least nominally, than they did the year before, and that means that our budget is almost always going up. Now, there is nuance in that. I took a look at fiscal year 2018 versus fiscal year 2017 under the budget that President Trump recommended to Congress, and some agencies took cuts and some increased dramatically. As we've talked about in a previous episode, the defense spending increased dramatically under President Trump's budget. So it's a starting point, but there is much more momentum for increasing spending than decreasing it in this budget process. When Congress needs to do something right away, it can't wait for this budget process, it can pass what's known as a supplemental appropriations bill. Supplementals are often used for natural disasters or military action. So I just wanted you to know there is a mechanism for us to spend money outside of this budget process. This year, Congress passed a $4 trillion spending limit. That is about 20% of the entire United States economy. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. 
I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies. So we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. I want to veer for the last couple of minutes that we're together into some opinion. I think it's opinion that is supported by the facts. And I think it's important to have some context before we talk about tax reform. Stan Collender, who has worked for House and Senate committees on the budget and is a professor, wrote an article in Forbes entitled, GOP has murdered the federal budget and now wants us to round up the usual suspects. 
And I think it is a very accurate picture of what's happened over the past two years. So I'm going to share some highlights with you from that article. In 2016, Republicans just didn't want their members to have to vote on a budget. And so they didn't. They just ignored the process wholesale. And then in 2017, the Republican majorities in January agreed to a budget plan that was solely designed to allow for the repeal and replacement of the Affordable Care Act under the reconciliation process. As we all know, that did not work. So in October, Republicans went back to it and passed a budget that really doesn't have any purpose other than adopting a tax cut. And Bob Corker has said that this is really a hoax being perpetrated on the American people that this process even exists. Like this budget is not a budget. It only clears the way for $1.5 trillion in an increase in what the federal government is spending because of decreased revenue. The budget resolution does away with pay-as-you-go rules that Republicans have always stood for, the idea that if we're going to increase our costs, we also have to increase revenue. And so they are trying to use what's known as dynamic scoring to say that these tax cuts are going to ultimately create so much investment in the United States from companies. So many companies are going to come back to the United States and add to the tax base that it will pay for this $1.5 trillion. There's very little support among economists for the idea that that's realistic. And the point of this piece from Forbes that I think is important to take away is that by doing this, by manipulating the budget process to open reconciliation for substantive changes to our law, whether that be our health care law or our tax policy, Republicans have really eroded the budget process in ways that will have long-lasting consequences. This is a quote from the Forbes piece that I will link in the show notes. In most years, Congress will no longer even try to pass a budget resolution. Now that the GOP leadership has demonstrated Congress can violate the Congressional Budget Act with impunity and not be punished by voters for their lawlessness, the House and Senate isn't very likely to take politically difficult deficit, spending, or taxing votes ever again. Instead, the Congressional budget process will be nothing more than a way for the majority to do what it wants on mandatory spending and taxes without even having to talk to the other party. The federal budget may never be about fiscal policymaking ever again. Sarah and I will talk more about all of this on Tuesday's episode, as well as the tax reform proposal that Republicans are considering. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you so much to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, Leslie, Sabrina, and George. You can join us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Pantsuit Politics and on Twitter at Pantsuit Politic, no S. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com or reviews are always helpful and you can leave one through the Apple podcast app. Thank you to Dante Lima, the composer of our Pantsuit Politics theme music. <laughs>